Welcome to Pleasant Grove Church, where Reverend Dr. Classy M. Preston is the pastor. A place where the Word of God impacts and transforms your life. Let's listen to a power-packed message already in progress. Lord, I love you. Yes, I love you. Yes, I love you. Yes, I love you. Yes, I praise you. Lord, 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 I thank you. Lord, I praise you. Yes, I thank you. Lord, I thank you. Yes, I thank you. Lord, I thank you. Yes, I thank you. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I love you. Lord, I love you. Yes, I love you. Lord, I love you. Yes, I love you. Lord, I love you. Yes, I love you. Lord, I love you. This journey of the Israelites wandering in the wilderness to the current pandemic, or what I want to call today the modern day wilderness. As we read about the Israelites' journey, what are we learning from their experience so that we don't repeat their mistakes? So, what's up with the title? What does Joshua mean when he tells the people? Get your provisions ready. There are several versions of this word provision in the Bible. Some versions refer to it as bags. Some call it victuals. I didn't really know what that meant, so I had to look it up. A victual is actually defined as food, so I'm going to go with food. I'm also going to take the liberty to take it a step further and substitute a specific food, popcorn, instead of provision. Just as, just as Joshua spoke life and victory into the people, let's choose to do the same in unison over this pandemic. So get your popcorn ready. Those familiar with sports know this saying was made famous by Pro Football Hall of Famer wide receiver Terrell Owens. If you're not a sports enthusiast, don't fret. I'll try to meet you where you are. Just for context, if you were going to a movie, play, musical, or other event you would enjoy, you just might grab some popcorn. Getting your popcorn ready symbolizes there's an expectation we're about to experience something worth your time. Open your Bibles with me to chapter one and get your popcorn ready. As a side note, I probably shouldn't have did that. (laughs) I plan to share scripture. Wow. Okay. I got my popcorn ready. One second. Let me get my water ready. So I plan to share scripture throughout today's message. But for a second, I'm going to offer a hypothesis. If you remember what a hypothesis is, it's an educated guess of the provisions that Joshua told the people to prepare. 
So hopefully by the end of the message, my hypothesis proves to be an appropriate strategy for our plan to exit the wilderness. My theory is that the food needed by those transitioning to the promised land wasn't physical food. They were headed to Canaan. And if we know anything from scripture, Canaan was flowing with an abundance of giant fruit, milk and honey. So I'm guessing they didn't need to bring wilderness food into the promised land. I'm also predicting the type of provision Joshua suggested they bring was bread, most likely daily bread. It's definitely something they need and we need on this journey. So the question I have is, are we truly living in a modern day wilderness? It's been a year and a half and we, we are still in a pandemic. Life is full of challenges, trials, and obstacles. In a nutshell, life can be hard. But life in a pandemic seemed to multiply that statement. We have seen and experienced increased illness, death, loss of jobs, along with uncertainty and fear that has led to high levels of stress and anxiety. Add to the mix the social and racial injustice and any other circumstance that seemed impossible to bear. The impact of this, pandi this, the impact this pandemic has, the impact of this pandemic has been especially tough on our younger generation. They've been forced to celebrate key markers in their young lives with virtual birthdays, COVID graduations, and feelings of loss, detachment, and a lack of social opportunities. While this period has not been the same as 40 years wandering in the wilderness, there's evidence of a modern day wilderness. Get your popcorn ready. But I learned from my mistake. So how do we position ourselves to get out of the wilderness? History tends to repeat itself, so we need to study and learn. There are lessons of victory that are available to us to learn from the Word of God. I've heard the Bible referred to as the basic instructions before leaving earth. To ensure we don't remain in the wilderness longer than needed, we need to make whatever adjustment necessary to give God our first and our best daily. Remember, all things are possible with God. But God also created us to live in community. Our faith will be strengthened by reading the word of God and doing what it says by putting it into practice. We have to grow our faith. Another important element to our spiritual growth is the relationships and people God has surrounded you with on this journey. Your family, your friends, your co-workers, church family, the list goes on and on. You share with them and you learn from them. Your iron can be sharpened daily because you choose to surround yourselves with people who are on the same journey and help you to get better. So get your popcorn ready. After serving as Moses' assistant, Joshua gets a, he gets a promotion. He gets a new job. So in verses 6 through 8 in that first chapter of Joshua, God has given Joshua and you the keys to success in your new roles. All right? So we're going to start claiming 
that we're going to get victory and promotion in this pandemic, all right, in this wilderness, in this modern-day wilderness, because we just saw Joshua get promoted and get a phenomenal job. Probably got a little bit of a pay raise, too. So verses 6 through 8 says, be strong and courageous. Now, this is the Lord talking directly to Joshua. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to the ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then, that's a key point. So you do those things and then something happens because there's got to be some action, right? Our faith without action or faith without works, we know what that means. So then you will be prosperous and successful. So in the first nine verses of that chapter and throughout that first chapter, God says, well, that word, that phrase, be strong and courageous, appeared four times. So sometimes when God repeats stuff, I think he wants to get our attention. And I think the reason he said that over and over, because he knew that the task that he assigned to us would not be easy. So essentially what God is telling you in those verses is to be strong and courageous, to obey God's law, and to constantly read and study the book of the law, or in our case, the Bible. He wants you to understand there will be times on this journey where you feel anything but courage. When you feel that way, repeat the Lord's promise to you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. <laughs> Encourage yourself in those moments. Please understand the power of his word is activated when we believe through faith that what he said is true and when we take, a, take the steps according to that truth. So get your popcorn ready. So there are hard times in the wilderness, I heard. The Israelites faced hard times. After Moses led them out of the slavery out of Egypt, he promised, God promised them a land of their own. As a result of complaining and their hardships, disobedience, and a lack of faith, the Lord was angered at, and the Israelites spent 40 years lost in the wilderness where they eventually died along with Moses. Although the Israelites made mistakes that led to consequences keeping them out of the promised land, they began during their desert wanderings, wanderings to obey God's commandments. They subsequently taught their children to obey God's laws so they wouldn't face the same plight. So my friends and I, when we talk, we talk about being imperfect husbands, imperfect fathers, imperfect people, especially in front of our kids, because we're going to make mistakes. So when we make those mistakes, one of the things we talk about is, what's the next move on the board? Because when you make a mistake and you fall short, typically an apology would work. And asking of forgiveness might work. So what I'm seeing here is that the Israelites 
They did a lot of disobedience. They served, they served, there was a lot of consequence. And there was a prop, there's a lot of consequence that actually never got them to where they were going. But they took the next move on the board. And they did that because they were motivated by those children. They wanted their lives to be better. And those children were often reminded that faith and obedience to God brought victory. So, we're talking about the Word of God and what it says and putting it into practice. So I'm going to ask a question. It's a question I have to deal with several times. Um, not several times a week, but sometimes, depending on the week, I might. How are we responding to those who persecute us and oppose us? That's the question. What next steps are we taking to abide in the Lord, Lord, love the Lord with all our heart, our minds, and our souls, and to love our neighbors as ourselves? Because that's what the Lord tells us. That's what Jesus tells us. Those that tells ten commandments, they ask him a question about what's the greatest of those. Some will tell you, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. So I'm going to ask you that first question. How are we responding to those who persecute us, who oppose us? And it doesn't mean that we did anything wrong. So I'll take you to God's word in Romans 12. Part of what it says is we should be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Bless those who persecute you. I, I, that wasn't a misstatement. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Live in harmony with one another. Do not take revenge, but leave room for God's wrath. If your enemy is hungry, give him something to eat. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. You'll never get to the burning coals part if you don't do what the word says to do. Because there's a level of trust that has to be in it. Do you trust God enough to do what he tells you to do even when it does not make any sense at all? Because I can guarantee you, growing up in Chicago, when somebody said something bad to me, I had a bad temper. I probably didn't handle it by blessing them praying for them, forgiving them, if I'm honest with you. But over time, God has given me opportunities to actually practice this. And I sit here in front of you that it works. And you know what? Just to really make sure it works, he's tried me to, he asked me to do it again. And I had to do it again and again. And I'm not saying it works right away, but I guarantee you, if he said it, it's true. So get your popcorn ready. So what more is there to know about this guy, Joshua? You know, this whole book is written in his name. It's written about him. So what do we know about Joshua? So part of the history is the children born 
in the wilderness, we know this, we're now three days away from finally entering the promised land after 40 years of wandering. And I know not all of them may not have been 40 years old, so, but some of them might have been. Who knows? But they finally got a chance to go, or they were about to go, in three days. So Moses, or Joshua was Moses' assistant, or Moses' assistant. I don't know if Moses is. Moses' assistant. So what, again, is it about this young guy, Joshua, that the Lord chose him to lead this new generation into the land he promised? What did God see in Joshua that qualified him for this leadership role and assignment, that new job that he got in the middle of the wilderness? So let's talk a little bit about Moses. So although Moses had his share of shortcomings, he was a willing mentor to Joshua. Joshua was a field general in Israel's army, and he was, Josh, and he was Moses' he was Moses constant shadow, even accompanying him a portion up the mountain as Moses received the, the instruction of the Ten Commandments from the Lord. Joshua, if we remember, was also one of, uh, he was one of 12 spies sent by Moses to scout out in the land, but he was only one of two, along with Caleb, to return with a positive report and recommendation that they should go and take the land. So I want to pause here for a minute because I really want to, this was really fascinating. I read it before, but I read it again. It just really does not make a whole lot of sense to me. But then I started thinking about our modern day wilderness because not everything makes sense, right? Because not everything is rooted in truth. So if things aren't rooted in truth, it's kind of hard to make sense of something. So, so 10 of the spies, again, two out of the, two out of the 12 came back with a positive report. They say, yep, the Lord said this is our land. It looks like it. Let's go get it. The other 10, they created this narrative of fear. It's like, nah, we can't do it. So the numbers won out. So 10 of the spies were fearful and discouraged from taking the land the Lord had given them, even though the evidence was contrary to their report. That land was overflowing with milk and honey. They even brought back a sample of the fruit, y'all, a cluster of grapes. And those grapes were so large, two people had to carry them on a pole between them along with some pomegranates and figs. Can you imagine taking some really big grapes that you got to carry out on poles? but then the land wasn't ready. It wasn't ready for them to go take it. So get your popcorn ready. Get your popcorn ready. The grace was so large, two people had to carry them on a pole between them, along with pomegranates and figs. So the mindset of, and attitude of these 10 spies were an example of the wilderness mindset that kept the Israelites wandering. They allowed the emotion of fear to override what God had promised them. So what do we do when we experience fear? 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of sound mind. 
Based on this scripture, we know the fear we experience is not from God. So in those times when fear begins to overtake us, what should we do? The instruction is in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. The New Living Translation says, don't worry about anything. So I'm going to put some emphasis on some words here as I read this. This is kind of what jumped out to me. So what's on my paper is it's, it's capitalized and it's underlined. So I'm going to read it the way that it's written. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. And here's that word again. Then, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Pray, tell, thank him, then that peace comes. Try it. Get your provision ready. I said it right this time. Get your provision ready. So I'm going to end by saying this. Joshua made that statement, verse 11, chapter 1 of Joshua. He says, get your provisions ready. And I made a comment about, I thought that was the daily bread, not necessarily physical food. I stand on what I said because I know that's what they ended up doing. That's the way they made it into the promised land because they started to pray. They started to read that word. They started to obey. They started to do all the things that, that Joshua told them to do, that God told them to do. So everything we need, that provision, everything we need, we already have. It's through those tests, those trials, and those hard times when God reveals who we are to ourselves. It's in those trapped positions where God wants to draw us closer into a deeper, sweeter relationship with him. So what we have to do is learn how to embrace the hard stuff. Because I find quite too often I give the devil a whole lot more credit for something he ain't got nothing to do with. So when we start, and this is something I learned over this time, is I have just learned to start understanding that the hurt stuff is actually preparing me for what's coming. And so when I don't fret it anymore, it doesn't mean that it's going to be less hard, but it won't last as long. Because when I decide, okay, God, I trust you and I surrender to what you're doing in this, and I'm going to stay connected to you. I'm not going to run from you. I'm going to run to you because I need you in this. So I really believe that Joshua was the provision that God provided. God had already seen what he had, to, what he had done to enter the promised land, but it wasn't quite his time to lead. God called him leader and has prepared him, and in three days the people will let, be led into the promised land. As we prepare to exit this modern-day wilderness. Get your provisions ready and get your popcorn ready. Thank you very much.
thank you for listening. It is our prayer that this message will enlighten and empower you to do the will of God. If you have a prayer request or praise report or like additional information on Pleasant Grove Church or other recorded messages, come visit us in person or write to us at Pleasant Grove Church, Post Office Box 3603, Cary, North Carolina, 27519. Or call us at 919-363-5198. Or visit us on the web at www.pgc-carry.org. Thank you again.